Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to another edition of the Unity Talks podcast. We're in a little bit of a different room, so a change of pace for us today, and that's okay. We're still interviewing DFW leaders about their career and advice. And I'm really excited about our leader we have here today. And I'm going to go through a little bit of her background, and then we'll introduce her. So our guest today was a college soccer star. She played keeper. <laughs> She's probably not going to like the fact that I put star on the end of that. <laughs> okay. um, she is a CPA, five, three years of public accounting. She was a controller in a private company. She's a controller at a public company. Now she's the CFO of a capital group called Mazes Capital Group. And she is a mom of two little kids. And her name is Tina Rincon. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're really excited about you being here today. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to just kind of share some information and, and talk to you for a little while. Absolutely. Okay, so we got to go back. We always go back, right? So okay. 10, years old, 10 years old, Tina's playing in the streets of Carrollton, <laughs> Texas, right? Yeah, the, the hood. Super dangerous streets of Carrollton, <laughs> yeah. Texas. And uh, so what did, you, what did you think about your future career when people would come up to you and ask, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. How did you answer that? Um, I was either going to be the next Brianna Scurry or I was going to be a soccer coach. Those were kind of the, the two things that I thought I was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and for those that don't know, Brianna Scurry <laughs> was the keeper for the U.S. national team yep. for a number of years. Yep. World Cups. Um, so that's really, really cool. Yep. Didn't end up being that way. No. Because <laughs> you go to Tech. Yep. You play soccer at Tech. And you started a path in business. And that really was from your dad. However, a teammate... I'd like for you to share a little bit about yeah. this. A teammate says, hey, you really should get into accounting. So tell yeah. us a little bit about dad getting you into business yep. and a teammate getting you into accounting. Yeah, for sure. So um, my dad, uh, international business, um, has worked at the same place for his whole career. So I uh, knew I would do something in business. And then um, so started in the business school. But in the back of my mind, I always thought, oh, I'm probably going to end up coaching. Um, had a, a, the other goalie that played with me. Um, she was going through recruiting and everything and um, just kind of was talking to her one day. And she said, yeah, uh, you should look into the accounting program at Tech. It's a five-year program. You can get your master's at the same time. And, and it seems like it, it, it's what I'm doing, and, and you'd probably be a good fit for it. Um, I knew in the business school I probably wasn't going to do very good at marketing and, and advertising and, um, and the other stuff that they had. So it was a good fit and um, followed in her, her footsteps. And, and then that's how I became. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. So you're learning from dad, you're yep. learning from a teammate, yep. you you have open options. As you grew up in life and, you know, you don't just go out and play college soccer, right? I mean, it yep. takes a lot of dedication, yep. time and effort from both you and from your parents. For sure, yeah. Uh, what did that whole process instill in you that you carry forward to your uh, professional career today? Yeah. 
So I think the biggest thing is teamwork, obviously. Um, that's something that, um, you know, you, you can't get around that. Um, but for me, being goalie especially, uh, that's that's kind of a leadership position as it is anyways, um, being at the back of the field and, and telling everybody what to do. <laughs> but but um, And so leadership, uh, teamwork, and then really knowing what my parents were putting into um, my athletic career growing up, that was something that was always um, in my mind as well to make me kind of work harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing that they were making sacrifices for me, I knew that I had to work as hard as I could um, to, to kind of help that pay off as well. So, Yeah, I think that um, obviously you have the voice of a keeper, right? Because the keeper gets to sit in the back and just yell <laughs> yeah, at exactly. everybody else. Move around, you know, so I think that's really cool that yeah. you did that. And I love the fact that you carry some of those things with you today because it does instill discipline yep. um, and and that you pay it back to your parents by living yeah. that out yeah. because of the sacrifices. they. I know both of my kids were in travel sports and yep. club sports and both played in, in college. And so I'm on the parent side <laughs> of noting, knowing yeah. what that dedication is. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure they're proud of you for that. I, I think so. I hope so. Actually, I still play soccer a little bit, and they came out to my game this past weekend, and they were like, I can't believe you're you're 35 years old, and you're still <laughs> you're yeah. still playing, and we're still coming to your game. Yeah. So just try to um, keep them involved as much as I can still as That's, well. So. <laughs> that is so cool. So you end up coming back to the Metroplex. Yep. And I, I think when I when I think about your career and just from talking to you, um, you always end up taking a lot of self-inventory. Yeah. And that's something that uh, playing club sports and college sports uh, causes you to do because yeah. it's a lot of prioritization. Am I going in the right direction? Yeah. Um, and so self-inventory is incredibly important. You've done a lot of that in your professional career. Yeah. And so if I, if I fast forward through kind of your professional career to give people yeah. a taste of what that is, you know, early on, you you left public accounting after three years because of taking self-inventory with mm-hmm. work-life balance. And then uh, you went to a private company and you worked your way up to the controller and you thought, well, what do I want to do? Uh, what am I missing to yep. continue to grow in my career? You take self-inventory, you go to a public firm, you become a controller at a public firm mm-hmm. and it just wasn't the right fit. So you took self-inventory and, and this probably isn't the right fit for me. Yeah. And then you reach out to your network. And next thing you know, you're in the role that you're in today at as the CFO at Mesa's Capital. So yep. talk to some of our listeners who sure. are climbing in their career, they're new, um, that you know, it's good to take self-inventory and it's okay to change. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's something that I've really prided myself on in doing that. Um, as, I, as I've gone through, I've always tried to slow things down a little bit and say, okay, um, what is my next step? Not only my next step for the next year, but what's kind of my goal for the next 10 years and, and where do I want to be in? So as I worked my way through my career, I knew where I wanted to be by certain ages. And so I knew that, hey, you probably need to focus on this a little bit. Go go work for a public company and learn how to do that type of reporting because that's going to make you more valuable down the road. And, and you're going to know, have a better understanding of, of how things work in, in the real world and everything. And so um, there's different steps, obviously, in different points in my life where I've said, I think I need to focus on this versus I need to focus on that. Um, and I just think it's really important to sit down every once in a while and, and really reflect on where you want your career to go and kind of make a pathway for how to get there and then um look at opportunities to help you to help you get there um i know that sometimes people think um you know i have to stay somewhere for forever and learn how to 
to get to where I want to go within there, but it's okay to, to have your steps that you want to go and, and change if you need to. Yeah. It sounds like what you're saying is set, set a 10 year goal maybe. Yeah. And, and it's okay when that 10 year goal changes. Yeah. So within can, five years. Yeah. yeah. It can change. Yep. So you can adjust. It's yep. not like that is set in stone. Yep. Agreed. Um, and, it, and adjust to where, cause your stage in life changes all the time. Yep. And, and it's at different degrees than other people. Yep. For right? sure. Um, so I want to go back to when you were in public accounting. So okay. you left public after three years. Yeah. Um, you decided that you were traveling a lot. Yeah. And wanted a little bit more work-life balance. We just had this question come up yesterday in uh -huh. our office. Were you talked to in public accounting, oh, you really need to stay to make manager. Is it okay to leave before manager? You obviously did, and it yeah. turned out great for you, but there's there's just a lot of pressure there at times. Yeah, I think that sometimes in public accounting, um, and, and especially when you're in college and you're graduating and you're going to work for a public accounting firm, you're like, okay, this is, this is how my life is going to look for the next five years because all I know is that I have to go be a manager here. And so you think that that's the pathway that you need to go on. Um, and so there's no, I don't think there was ever a, hey, you have to be here this long to be manager to, to achieve these certain career goals. But um, I think maybe it's more psychological where you're like, I need to make manager in order to um, have have more mobility and more opportunity whenever I am looking outside of public accounting. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, but again, if you know kind of what you want to do and if you know pretty early on you don't want to be a manager or be in public accounting, then I, I don't think that there's a problem with leaving before the right. five years right. is up and stuff. So Well, and you've proven that, right? So yeah. if we fast forward into your career, you were at a publicly traded company as a controller for yeah. a shorter period of time because you quickly realized this probably isn't the place for me. Yep. And it's okay. So what steps did you take to think through that when you took self-inventory? Because that's big, right? Yep. It's like, man, you, you, you come from a family where your dad's had one job yeah. for <laughs> however many years. Yeah. And here you are thinking, man, I'm, I'm about to leave a job in yeah. less than two years. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, one thing that I always try to do, and I and um, when I'm talking to candidates and stuff as well, I always try to see what is the type of fit um, and the type of company I want to work for. And so, for me, um, it's about a little bit more about the making sure that it is the right fit and the structure is there. And so um, that's that's really important to me when I, when I made that move. Okay. Um. You also looked, I was just looking through some of my notes here. You're very growth oriented in your career. And that's, that's caused some of the moves that you made. One of the moves though was relying on your network. Yep. Um, and that's what landed you the job that you're in today. How do you stay in touch with your network that you've grown, your personal network mm -hmm. and professional network that you've grown? Yeah, so obviously there's the social media aspect of stuff, but um, as I was, you know, talking um, before this, it's it's important to to keep in touch with the people that maybe you don't talk to all the time. And so I still have my group from Grant Thornton from way back in the days that we keep in touch with each other. And um, sometimes it's just checking in on, hey, how's the family going? And then sometimes it's a, hey, I have a question about um, this specific accounting rule that just came out. Um, actually, one of my friends from Grant Thornton, um, she's uh, the CFO at a private school in, in Tennessee 
and I called her the other day and I just said, hey, W-2 versus 1099 employees, like walk me through that and stuff. And so um, it's, you know, just something that whether it's personal, whether it's professional, knowing that you have that network um, is is pretty awesome. And then um, that's obviously from, pu from public accounting days. But as I've grown in my career, I've really made it a priority to see what likeness we have in common. So when um, I came back and used my network to come back to Mezzas, one of the common um, bonds there was soccer. And so um, from from my network, keeping in touch over soccer and, you know, playing and stuff like that, that was something that um, that was a likeness that kind of kept that network going. What, what I'm hearing, and it's really cool, correct me if I'm wrong, you're using that same network for not only you're, you're, you know them through soccer mm -hmm. and recreation sports at this point in time. Um, so you know them from that, but you're also using them for help me out with this accounting pronouncement yep. or how do you handle this from a professional standpoint to should I make this career move? Yep. You know, so you're using a very similar network for many aspects of your life, Yep. which is Definitely. really cool. How do you, how do you identify who should be in that network? Because they always say, right, we, <laughs> we become the average of the five people we hang around the mm -hmm. most, right? Yeah. Which should be that network. Yeah. So how do you identify what people are right for you? Yeah, I think this is kind of something that we talked about yesterday. Um, it's really important to surround yourself by people that are going to root for you and, and cheer you along and stuff. And um, if you have your network that's going to challenge you, um, that's great. But those same people need to be able to cheer for you as well. And so um, everybody in my network, uh, we really are positive influences with each other and um, just really try to support each other and and um, cheer each other along no matter what is happening, personal, professional, um, in their life. Just just kind of be, be the cheerleaders. And um, I think that then that grows into a mentorship or, or a network and everything. And then um, and then it just kind of goes from there. Yeah, I love the way you said that. You, you need to surround your people with, uh, surround, surround yourself with people that cheer for you yeah. because there's so much competition. And in North Texas, it's yep. like we raise our kids <laughs> to be super competitive. Yeah. You're very competitive. I'm very competitive. But really who we should be competing with is who we were yesterday. Yep. Right. And we're just getting better than what we were as opposed to wishing bad things on a coworker or yep. one of our employees. We're not competing with them. Yeah. We want to cheer and support them. Yeah, I agree. Totally. I think that I think that that's really important. And, and no matter what stage of your career and if you're starting in public accounting or, you know, uh, the CFO, um, there's going to be people that come in that you're maybe like, oh, I, do I need to be competing against them or do I need to do better than them? And really, um, the way I try to look at it is it doesn't matter what they're doing. Right. And it doesn't matter. Um, it just matters what I'm doing. And to your point, be better than I was yesterday mm -hmm. and and don't be afraid to, to be better. Right. Yeah. And so um, really focusing on that versus is um, saying, "Hey, I hope you, I hope you fail at this, or I hope yeah. that I hope that you get this wrong, or yeah. I hope your, I hope your spreadsheet has an error in it." You know, that doesn't really help anybody. Um, it doesn't help the company that you're working for, and um, just having the confidence to to be able to um, know that it's okay that you don't have to compete against everybody. It's it's a hard thing for me because growing up playing soccer, being so competitive all the time, um, it's something that I've actually really had to work on to say, "Okay, you don't always have to be competitive in every single situation." Yeah, yeah you don't have to bury your opponent now that you're yeah. not playing soccer yeah. then yeah let's bury the opponent yeah, now exactly <laughs> there, what opponents do you have yeah really there, none there are no opponents and yeah. so it's really being a cheerleader for people that are closest to you and people who may not be closest to you yep. right but yep. we need more of that in general whether it's from a Agreed. professional standpoint or a personal standpoint yep for sure um okay so 
one of the things that's really important for you right now is work-life balance. Yep. And uh, I think you have a fantastic situation where you're at. <laughs> what what uh, Tina is, is Tina has uh, the CFO of Mesa's Capital, but mm -hmm. she also spends time as basically the CAO, the VP of accounting of a healthcare company. Yep. Yeah, Resilient Healthcare. Um, it's a company that we started a couple years ago. And so um, by day, I'm Mezis Capital CFO. By night, I'm, I'm VP of Accounting at Resilient. And so um, there's a there's a lot of hours that get put into work every day. But um, to your point of work-life balance, I've always tried to make that a priority. Um, I have two young kids. And so really try to focus on them, being able to take them to school in the morning, pick them up from school most days. Um, something my grandpa taught me was to be present not only in the big moments but in the small moments mm -hmm. as well and so that's kind of where i've i've really thought my work-life balance should be is um focusing on my family obviously my career but then for me it goes even a step further than that and it's to focusing on myself also yeah. and so um going back to taking inventory of, of of my life and kind of where i am um it's it's important for me to say okay have my family have my work but what do I need for self-care over here also? Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I try to balance all of that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let's get into that a little bit because there's a lot there to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> so you drop both the kids off at school. You pick them up. Your team sees that. Yep. Um, and, and that allows them the ability to know that it's okay for them to do that as well, right? Yeah, I think it's important to set expectations and, and everything. And so um, my team knows that when it's pick up time, drop off time. Uh, I won't be available by phone, but other than that, um, I'm, I'm pretty much available anytime and into the night and everything like that. And so, um, but being able to set up those expectations really helps so that it's not like, Hey, hold on, let me, let me talk on the phone and the kids are over here yep. and doing everything like that. So it really just allows me to be intentional in kind of every aspect that I'm in. Yep. So when I'm at drop off, when I'm at pickup or when I'm at the hours before and after, um, I'm, I'm fully into that. Yeah, you're fully present in the moment. Yeah. Right. So when you're with your kids, you are fully with your kids. Yep. And and that's really hard to do. That's something else that we have to teach ourselves. For sure. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And and then that also means that you're creating that flexibility for yourself, but you can also log back in at night. Yeah. Or yeah. you can do a little bit on the weekends. Yeah, and I think that that's important too, especially in this day and age. I mean, you know, COVID changed things for sure, but um, there, there is really no, for in my perspective, set time on and off. You know, on the weekends, if you're if you're doing stuff, I'm um, just even checking emails and stuff like that. Um, that's that's just something that's that's happening these days. And so, going back to that's why it's important to set expectations and set boundaries so that your boss doesn't think you're available 24/7. Right. So right. maybe 23/7. Yeah, 20, <laughs> 23. We'll allow 23. Well, yeah. then you have the set expectations on the opposite side. Yep. Because then you're setting expectations with your family. Exactly. If you do have to do something at night, it's I'm going to do it after the kids go to bed. Yep. Or if you're doing something on the weekends, it's, hey, listen, give me two hours. Yep. Give me three hours. So you're setting expectations yep. for them as well. Yeah. And it's, hey, you know, we're doing this right now. I'm doing this right now because I'm able to do this on the other side. And so let, having making sure that they can understand that also. You had mentioned earlier, so all of this is culminating in your career mm -hmm. about being a big cheerleader for other people and setting the proper expectations. And all of this builds confidence in yep. a professional. Um, what else builds confidence? Because it's not like you just walk into a room and it's like, you know, hey, Mr. Manager, <laughs> I'm going to leave at this time. I'm yep. going to come in at this time. This is what my schedule is going to yeah, be. Yeah, not a lot of people can you do know, that. <laughs> yeah, you can, so how do you develop the confidence in your yourself yeah. 
Um, how do you get the skins on the wall to be able to do that? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's something that, and, and a lot of people out there, it's it's just about getting the experience and kind of knowing when you're ready to do something like that. And so um, in my career history, obviously, I would never have done that at a public accounting from Watson, Watson and talk to a partner and say, hey, this is what I want my schedule to be. Yeah. So here we go. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah. What a good start that <laughs> yeah. is. So, um, so I think it's about getting um, your experience and kind of knowing, um, okay, where am I? What are my expectations? And honestly, knowing as well, um, if you're going to get pushed too hard, that's going to that's also going to um, to to work the opposite way, right? And so if you are trying to have to stretch yourself, that's that's really not going to be advantageous for the company. But um, just kind of get, making sure to know that you're experienced enough and and that you've kind of sat behind the table and then um, and then you know why, why you're kind of asking for that. I guess mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that's part of one of the things we've talked about before, which is setting boundaries, yep. right? So you want to set boundaries around your professional life. You want to set boundaries around your per personal life. Yep. And then within your team, you want to set boundaries within your team. And that, that gets mixed in with expectations. You know, that yeah. line is blurred. And But, you know, to your point, you can't come in uh, without having proven yourself. Exactly. And without yeah. having developed some type of credibility. Yeah, and the respect and stuff. And to your point, I mean, I can't expect my um, analyst to answer a call at nine o'clock at night if they don't see, you know, if they don't see the reason for it or if I don't give them, um, if, if I don't respect their boundaries, you know. And so it's, it's really, the boundaries part of it is really important. Yeah. So how do you approach, uh, how do you approach your leadership, your boss and mm -hmm. set, boundaries you have you have all the skins on the wall yeah right you have the credibility you've have proven performance yeah how do you approach that conversation yeah I mean it's not always an easy conversation to have but um, I think after a while when your work um, can speak for itself and and it's sometimes where you, maybe you don't want to answer the phone call at six o'clock at night or at nine o'clock on the weekend and you do answer that phone call and you are available after hours then it's then uh, my, my bosses specifically were able to realize, okay, so she's she might not be available between three and four, but she's available at eight o'clock at night if we need her. And so um, I think by, again, going back to what you said, proving yourself and and mm -hmm. and that you are a hard worker and, and, and everything like that. And then that allows you a little bit more flexibility mm -hmm. to, to have that conversation. Um, for me, it's always, it's really important to if you're going into a conversation about that, about a raise, kind of anything, to, to be able to have your your written down support of, of why you're asking for something. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm listening to you talk and I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking, gosh, man, playing collegiate athletics and yep. being heavily involved in that has taught you these skills. Yeah, I mean, it, not to talk too much about soccer, but I mean, if I if I'm trying to be the starting goalie, right? There's there's going to have to be a reason why I'm the starting goalie, why I'm better than the other goalie that I was going against. And um, every day at practice, you know, you're trying to prove that and stuff until you get that call up. And so, um, I think that for sure, stuff like that it can it can impacted me to be able to think, okay, if I'm going to want to be the starting CFO, if I'm going to want to be the you know the best at this, that I have to be able to prove myself to get that call. Yeah. Yeah. So all, all of this has worked into work-life balance and you having a seat at the table, exactly. right? So you, you value work-life balance, you value your time with your kids, yep. and you have a seat at the table, yeah. right? So 
all that's highly valued by you. How do you manage that? How do you you split all your time up? I mean, there's only one of you. Yeah. Well, I have 25 hours in my day. Okay. Okay. Um, So 23 by seven, you have 25 hours. Exactly. No. Um, You know, it's just like, like I said, it's just all about um, making sure that when I'm there, I'm present and, Mm -hmm. um, and really not putting too much pressure on myself as well. That uh, sometimes I'll sit down with my computer and I'm like, I really need to get this report done tonight. You know, let me, let me go start working on it but it's nine o'clock at night and the kids sleeping in my arms and I'm like you know what let me just put this down for a second and let me focus on this and I know that mentally I'll be better tomorrow morning to go ahead and do that I'll wake up a little bit earlier tomorrow to okay. do that and so um it's just knowing what I have to do mm-hmm. and and really prioritizing I have to-do lists all over the house and so knowing what I have to do and and just working my way to get that stuff done do the kids have to-do lists? The well? kids, <laughs> uh, the kids have reward charts. So they reward have they charts. have the things that they have to do in order to get their prizes each week. Yes. All right, all right. That's our next podcast is yeah. creating reward charts for kids. Yeah. So tune in. It's going to be in three weeks from today. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's not. I. That's good though. Reward yeah. charts. Yeah. I don't want to go back and have young kids to institute reward charts. Don't. Mine you can, maybe you gone. can do it with your older kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe maybe my grandbabies. Whenever yeah. those come along in yeah. like twenty years from now let's hope um okay so let's switch over right so now you're hiring people you've been hiring people for a long time you interview a lot of people we talked a little bit about that Mm. uh what are you looking for 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 those out there who are listening to us today yeah and they're sitting there thinking man I want to know how can I work with someone like Tina and how do I perform in an interview what types of things are you looking for yeah, so um, I think one of the most important things is knowing what you want. Um, a lot of the times I've gone into interviews and candidates answer how they think I want to hear them answer. And that's great because maybe you've researched who I am and, and what I do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to know really what they want to do. And so getting through that maybe without, without, without asking direct questions, but more conversation style and trying to see where they want to fit in and, and what kind of company they want to work for. Um, figuring out maybe what they do outside of outside of work so that that can give me an understanding of will they fit culturally into here and, mm-hmm. and um, more, you know, the morale and everything of the company. And so, um, but I think it's really important for candidates to answer honestly and um, and have them, them know what they want. And again, that can change at any time. And they might come in and say, hey, I want to work for a really structured company. And then I'm like, okay, maybe this, this company is not for you, you know, mm-hmm. um, or I, I want to do this. Okay. And, and then, um, but just have an honest conversation with them and getting an understanding for where they see themselves fitting in the company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, you, you work for a smaller company mm-hmm. and you kind of made that path. Yeah. Right? You've worked for a large company and you decided, you know what, I want to work for a smaller company. Yeah. That's just better for me. Yep. How did you identify that a smaller company was better for you when mm-hmm. people may be struggling with that question for themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and one that um, I think a lot of people do struggle with. Uh, for me, it was just about um, being able to have the flexibility of work-life balance and being able to have um, the access to make those decisions. And so um, I, I have been fortunate to work in a company that I can talk to leadership really just uh, openly. Mm-hmm. And so that for me was important. And then um, from a professional perspective and career, um, it was important for me to be able to be involved in a lot of different aspects um, of the company. And so that that is something that I valued and um, not saying that that's not possible at other companies, but right. um, that, that was something that was important to me. Yeah. 
I, I've got to imagine when you are at a smaller company, you know, you're changing hats every day. You come in with yeah. a plan and it's like, this is what I'm going to do today. I know our company is small and yeah. I come in and I'm like, this is what I'm going to accomplish today. And, you know, by Doesn't 8 o'clock, yeah. right? It's 8 o'clock. It's not even past 8. We're yeah. at 8 a.m. and it's totally changed for the rest of the day. Yeah, every day, especially at the healthcare company, every day I wear a different hat. Payroll, HR, IT, uh, marketing, you know, just kind of depending. Accounting sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but but just kind of depending on what's happening. And so um, it is it is something that I find interesting and it's something that, um, that, I, that excites me as being able to be on the go and, and no day is the same. And so um, being able to wear those multiple hats and, and kind of put putting out, uh, you know, drinking yeah. out of the fire hose, they say. And yeah. so that, that, that's something that I like to do. It energizes you. You can it, tell. It does, it yeah. It totally <laughs> gives you energy. So let's flip that then. Yep. What if you have an employee where it drains them and you mm. can see it, right? Yeah. You see it on their face. You see it in their work. You yeah. can tell they're unhappy. How do you talk to an employee that reports to you? And this is for leaders who are out yeah. there who have employees where they can just see it. How do you how do you talk to them? Yeah, this actually happened pretty recently to me. Um, I had an employee that, especially through COVID, um, he was working from home and I could just tell that the structure wasn't there. And um, there was stuff that I was asking for that he wasn't getting to me on time um, because he was in this unstructured environment um, of working from home and not having you know somebody check on them all the time. And so it was a hard conversation to have, but I just sat him down and I said, hey, how do you think you're doing and he did he did of oh i think it's going great everything i said okay because that's uh, what he thought you yes, wanted to hear exactly right? back so, to your original point yes. on your interviews go ahead sorry uh, no just, yeah so and and i just said great okay but this is what i'm seeing you know there's there's the, the again i had my list of hey these are kind of sometimes that uh you didn't get this project in on time we had to talk extra about this um i i just don't i don't know if this environment is working for you and so um let's let's talk about it let's have kind of a little phase out and anything you need from a reference anything like that i'll, I'll more than happy to help you because you're not a, a bad employee it just you this environment isn't working for you and again i think it's it's important to have those conversations and this uh, he'd been an employee for us for about nine months um and so also doing that where it, not too much time has passed because it would be so easy just to have him as my employee to get stuff done, but um, it, it doesn't help his career either. And so right. being able to identify um, early on as well that, hey, this is just not a good fit and let's just uh, part ways kind of mutually. Yeah, I feel like, you know, they may not at the time feel like you're doing them yeah. a favor <laughs> and maybe favor is the wrong word, yeah. but that is really good for them because they're right. unhappy and you know it's like well let's let's let them go find a career that they're going to be happy at yeah. right everybody deserves to be happy i agree totally yeah. i i truly believe that you should not wake up dreading to go to work i wake up every day i love my job and um i i I don't think anybody should wake up dreading to go to work. And when you see that they're dreading to go to work, maybe once or twice, okay, maybe something else is going on. But if it's consistent, it's just, it's, it's not a good fit. You know what they say about hat? Cause those are hard conversations, yeah. right? They're always really hard conversations. But what they say about hard conversations, this is in your professional and personal life. And a lot of times we have a tendency to really avoid them. Yeah. And, and one of those lives, you yeah. know, Let's, if you're going to avoid it, like, let's not do it in your personal life for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's not avoided in either, but yeah. Um, Hard conversations, ironically, they're hard to have. And when you avoid them, it makes the relationship much harder. I would agree You're with that. You're just creating 
much more difficult times in your future yeah. if you just don't go ahead and have that hard conversation yeah. today. Like rip the Band-Aid off. Just rip the Band-Aid off, yeah, because yeah. it's just going to be worse for both parties in the future because, you know, he may stay, let's say that he stays on and you let him stay on, then you're building up anxiety, he's building up anxiety yeah. and you're building up frustration. Yeah. And pretty soon, a person like you who's happy to go to work, your feet hit the ground, you're ready to charge, is like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I got to go to work and I don't know what I'm going to do with this employee. Yeah. That's, that's not fair to everybody involved. So yep. we need to go ahead and have that tough conversation. Right? Yeah, agreed. Um, so when you think about uh, hiring other employees to the organization, mm -hmm. do, when, when y'all interview people for Mesa's Capital or you interview people for the healthcare company, mm -hmm. Do you interview people for other departments as well? Yeah, so the it's a little bit unique. Um, at Mezes, we have a couple different clients as well, and so I might be interviewing people for other clients. Um, I might be interviewing people um, at Mezes or at Resilient. Um, sometimes I've, I've been on interviews for nurses. <laughs> it just kind of yeah. depends. So um, a wide range of things, but for the most part, I try to stick into what I know in the finance and accounting and okay. um, HR lane. So. so when you are interviewing people for other departments, mm -hmm because a lot of companies do that. Yeah. What, what are you looking for? Do you get with that department leader ahead of time and say, hey, what do you want me to vet for? What yeah. am I trying to identify? Or do you just know what you're looking for? Yeah, I think uh, leave the conversations of technical skills and ability to the experts. Um, I'm not going to know if they're good at what they do or, or what the resume yeah. says. So I really try to focus on the um, the intangible aspect, right? Um, how do they uh, kind of hold themselves? How can they converse and everything like that? And and do they fit in to the to the culture that we're trying to create? Um, that. That's that's really the most important thing for me. So I might come in and not say a lot. Of words but just kind of listen and then ask the question of what do you like to do outside of outside of um, work you know and is there are there any kind of mutual interest and stuff like that so, so that's so what good. that's what I try to focus on if I'm interviewing somebody that I don't even yeah. know what they do <laughs> yeah because it's not like if they're interviewing someone who's an accountant mm -hmm. you're gonna rely on them to give you information about their accounting technical capabilities yeah it's like yeah I don't need you for that yeah you exactly. know I've got that covered yeah you know and we see more and more companies doing that right it's People are really trying to interview for a culture fit, yep. right? Because coronavirus threw everything into a tizzy and a yep. lot of people, they call this time the great resignation and people mm. are resigning. And so people really want to surround their culture with the right people these days. And, yeah. And so you see a lot of cross-functional interviews. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, if, if you're maybe desperate for us to hire somebody, you're looking at it, you're like, oh, well, they check all the boxes from a technical standpoint. So let's just hire them. And you're like, yeah. okay, but what about, what about the way that they carry themselves and stuff? And, you know, are they, uh, inclined, ethically inclined and everything like that to, to really fit into who, who we are and what we're trying to build. Yeah. So I can totally understand that. Yeah. It sounds like you're trying to match them to the core values of the company. Yeah. Really? For sure. Like that's the stage that you're at. Yeah. Especially in a small business as well um, because the that is so important in small business where you're wearing multiple hats you don't want somebody that's that's going to be like oh I'm too good for that or I don't want to roll up my sleeves and I'm just going to stay in this lane um, there's a lot of people that um, I deal with ops people on a daily basis like I said I'm talking to nurses I'm talking to therapists yeah. and everything and um, I want to make sure that that they are comfortable talking to me but at the same time that they're going to respect and, and understand kind of what we're building as a whole yeah I love that that's great advice. Well, we are nearing the end of our time.
time already. Yeah. I'm telling you, it flies by it like does, this. Yeah. It goes so fast. So I've, I've got to ask the piece of advice. So it, you have one piece of advice that you would like to hand to someone who has just graduated, they're growing in their career, they're fixing to take off, or you know, they're looking for that promotion. Yeah. What is that one walk away point that you think is important for them? Yeah, we talked about confidence earlier. I think that that's really important. But um, my biggest piece of, piece of advice would probably be to be courageous. Um, I think a lot of the times there are things that you think you should do based on your age or where you are in your career. And um, just be courageous with that. Uh, if you want a seat at the table, don't be afraid to take the seat at the table. And um, again, when it's the right time. But um, but really just just know what your worth is, be confident in that and, and, and just be courageous out there. Be great. I love <laughs> that. I love the be courageous. I have not heard that. And that is fantastic. So you've heard it here. It's <laughs> be courageous. That's what <laughs> yeah. we need to try to do. That's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic advice, Tina. Thank you so much for being with us yeah, thank you on the so podcast. Much. Hopefully this was good for you. It was great for us. And yeah. I know it's going to be great for other people who are listening to this podcast. And for those that do listen and join us, if you would just share this podcast with family and friends that you think would benefit from this, we would greatly appreciate it. And until next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.